People have asked me, AJ, how do you keep your office so clean? And the answer is, I only have to keep clean what you guys are capable of seeing. Hey everybody, my name's AJ and this is The Wealthy Idiot Show. Before we get any further, please make sure to destroy that like button for the YouTube algorithm. Give us a subscribe and comment down below any questions you may have. I found a video today that I think is gonna split some people, so we're gonna check it out. The video is called, Are Landlords Really That Bad? Let's get into it. We on the left have this revolting tendency that I want to steer clear of entirely for this sensitive and important topic. I am genuinely appalled, and frankly, I simply don't understand why some so-called leftists feel it's okay to make fun of landlords. It's unacceptable. Might I remind you that landlords live paycheck to paycheck? Your paycheck, sure, but still. And might I also remind you that rent in the US has gone up at a rate of 18% over the last five years alone, and almost 150% since 1985. Those dang landlords being responsible for all the rent increasing. Couldn't be like a, uh, you know, reduction in supply. Like maybe there's not enough landlords and maybe the amount of available houses for rent is low or apartments available for rent is low, thereby creating higher demand, thereby creating higher prices. Hmm. We're already not off to a good start, man. You're not doing a good job here. Completely outpacing inflation. Meaning every year that goes by is more money in landlords' pockets than the year before. All right, let's talk about landlords for a minute. First things first, this video isn't about landlords as individuals. No, this video is about landlords as a class, and the power that that class has. Mm, already that's a little bit weak. So, yeah, I've, I've had good landlords and I've had bad landlords. I've rented most of my adult life, and I own properties now, and I rent the property that I'm currently in, and my landlord is outstanding. But landlords aren't a class. I don't actually live off of the money that my properties produce. I'm sure some landlords do. In fact, most landlords who do are older and have paid off properties. The younger landlords are just starting out and probably working under very small margins. If someone is invested into the stock market, is that like a new class of people? So if you took like, you know, Starbucks barista A, who's like, I'm going to buy that index fund because AJ at the Wealthy Idiot Show said buying index funds, good to go. I should be doing that on a regular basis for a long period of time. And so they went out and bought a index fund. Are now they the investor class? Don't think it works that way. It's not a video about how individual landlords choose to use or not use that power. That's up to them. Though most landlords absolutely abuse their privileged status. No, this video is a criticism of that power itself. That was a, that was a quick drive-by right there. Most landlords abuse that status. Like, what, what measurement are we using to suggest that landlords are bad? I'm not talking about individual people you might know that happen to be landlords. Especially not any older relatives who rent out an extra property to supplement their retirement, for example. This video is about the existence of landlords in general. So he's not going to knock the person who owns a house for retirement. He's just going to knock the fact that they own a house for retirement. Al already, man. Like, not, like... The logic doesn't jive. If your uncle owns property, I'm not coming after him, you know, so that way you can separate your uncle from your own worldview and you can agree with his worldview while also kind of, you know, forgiving your uncle for owning a property. What's the problem with landlords? Generally speaking, landlording is a form of rent-seeking behavior. 
That's pretty obvious, given the fact that the thing we give landlords is literally called rent. But let's actually go over what rent seeking means for a second. Landlords, like all rent seekers, make money based not on any work they do, or in exchange for producing anything of value, but on the simple fact that they own something necessary. In this case, housing. They do not add anything to society, but they do accumulate wealth. Normally, accumulating wealth is something that's only supposed to happen when you produce wealth. Something that happens when people work. Taking thing A and, through varying processes, turning it into thing B which is worth more, for example. That's what creates value in a society, and landlords just don't do that. That's real interesting coming from someone who posts on YouTube and collects ad revenue. So, I don't know if his whole existence is on YouTube, but the entire concept that your rent-seeking behavior, like YouTube as a platform, isn't producing videos. They produce the platform. And then people put videos on there and they shave off a portion of the profit. So YouTube in itself is rent-seeking behavior. Not only that, but you post the video on there. So you did the initial work of a posting the video and then you start receiving residuals for owning that and people are paying to put ads on your space, which is also rent-seeking behavior exactly the same as real estate. Now he might argue that like, well, people need to live yeah, and they need a place to live, whereas, you know, YouTube is like an optional deal. But it is exactly the same rent-seeking behavior. I own this thing that someone wants to use. They use it, and they pay me to use it. Rent-seeking behavior. So if he's going to make this argument that a widget must be created in order to create value, and that widget must be traded as a one-to-one -one trade for a widget, and that's the only thing that creates value in society, himself is an example of that not being true. He's not creating widgets. Now, if we were going to take this even further, this exact same claim that he's making, that a widget, something has to be nothing, and then we turn it into something, and that thing now creates value, the argument that anyone who's getting paid now who isn't doing that is actually subtracting from society because he could be spending his time creating widgets that are useful for people's survival, like building homes. He's claiming here that people need homes and they're not available to them. So he could be building homes for people, but he's not. He's making YouTube videos complaining about the fact that other people are buying homes and then renting them out. Not only is he contributing to rent-seeking behavior, but his own existence is subtracting from the overall value of society under his own definition. The big appeal of becoming a landlord is obviously the fact that it's quote-unquote passive income, meaning that it doesn't require any work from the landlord themselves. That's because at the end of the day, landlords are just the people who own the deed and nothing more. What the law considers livable requires very little effort to maintain once the developers, architects, and construction workers have already taken care of it. So either landlords will do very minimal labor or hire a property manager. That's already wrong. And I understand what he's saying here that like you buy the property and then you're just renting the use out for that property. The same thing could be argued about any lended money. Like I have, like you want to buy a house and you don't have enough cash to buy a house. So you're going to have to borrow it from someone. I could hand you money and then expect you to pay me back with interest. I'm not doing anything. It's passive income, right? The problem is, is that would be considered risk. Okay, so someone's going to take on the risk of you borrowing this money. And by taking on that risk, they're going to expect something in return. So risk does inherently create effort. So a landlord takes on the risk of putting a tenant in there, does the work to make sure the tenant's going to be good. And because they're willing to take that risk, 
they are going to charge extra than what it costs them to own that property. You may not like it, but it's the exact same thing as lending money. If you're going to require someone to take on risk, that risk may not be work in itself, but it's work. The second point here is that landlords do provide a lot to the rehabilitation of homes. So we talk about on this channel quite a bit that your goal when purchasing a property is to buy a property that is undervalued, meaning that if the value of the property is $400,000, once it's rehabilitated, then we want to buy it for less than $400,000. And we want to make sure that whatever it takes us to rehabilitate it doesn't come up to $400,000. So our goal is to buy properties that need some rehab that other people aren't really interested in purchasing. If we're able to purchase it for undervalue, already that means that people aren't interested in purchasing that home. We're going to rehabilitate it. That rehabilitation then is rented out to people. But like most businesses, I want my people to stay there. I want them to be happy. I want them to take care of my property. So all of those things mean that we have to have a good working relationship to make those things occur, which would indicate that if that isn't occurring, if there isn't enough competition in that space where people have to provide good value in order to get good customers, then that would mean that there's something else that's limiting the amount of supply. Government. Ah, excuse me. Ah, had something in my throat. Or at least they don't need to. You, in contrast, most likely do. In your role as a worker, you probably transform some raw material into something else, or you provide a service to someone, or you create something for others to use or enjoy, or you're currently pursuing some kind of education or training and will do one of those things soon. The important thing is that without you, there would be no economy to speak of. Natural resources would stay in the ground, food wouldn't be food, people wouldn't get the services they need, and so on. Most likely, your boss pays you money for the work you do because it's produced something of value for at least one person, if not society writ large. But the same can't be said for landlords. Landlords don't produce anything. They don't design the buildings they own, that's architects. They don't plan or even finance their construction, that's developers and governments. They don't actually build the houses, that's construction workers. They don't handle the wiring, that's electricians. They don't fix your sink, that's the super or a handiworker of some sort. Landlords literally just own the house. That's it. Legally, that's all it takes for them to collect rent. That's not legally all it takes for them to collect rent. There are standards in every state about what landlords are supposed to do. Now, does it always work out? No, probably not. Um, it's not always good. I've had my fair share of bad landlords and I've moved on to other places, so it's not always perfect. And again, more competition would solve that problem. Who would be building the houses if they weren't getting paid to build the houses. If, if people are running around purchasing properties, that encourages people to build properties. So yeah, the, the person who's purchasing the property isn't the one building it. They're not the one designing it. They're not the one um, plumbing it or whatever else he listed off there, but someone has to pay those people to do those things. And if there aren't people to pay them, why would they do those things? But landlords will tell you the opposite. To try to justify themselves and their parasitic role, landlords will often say something like, well, landlords provide housing. The idea being that this is some kind of service landlords are doing, and if we didn't have landlords, where would people get their homes? This is my favorite argument of his. He, he points out a fairly dumb argument by landlords. Landlords provide housing. Nah, we really don't. Uh, you could argue that, you know, giant apartment complex structures do provide housing. Like, you know, the entire concept behind them is like, I'm going to risk 
putting this apartment structure in there. We're going to put in the management staff. Um, it basically becomes an actual business and someone has to be funding that business and that person funding it wants to get paid for their risk. So you could argue that that's providing housing, but the person who's just like, you know, oh, here's a house I have, I'm renting it out. I wouldn't say they're providing housing, but his response is probably the worst. And this is an almost coherent argument, assuming you flat out ignore that the housing is there already. Okay, the housing is there already is probably the most six year old answer I've ever heard to anything. The housing is already there. There's already housing. Okay, so like a hundred years from now, we're gonna have the same number of people on earth and the housing is still just gotta be there. So like, all right, so let's say I keep this house that I'm in now. I don't want to, I don't wanna keep, like I wanna rent this house. I don't wanna keep it, but he's telling me I can't do that. Okay, so those houses go to those people. This house goes to me. So let's just say I keep this. This is actually much nicer than what I own as a whole. So let's keep this house <laughs> and then other people are gonna do the same thing. And then wealthy people keep their houses. And then, uh, you know, the poor person with 10 kids, you keep your two bedroom apartment that you could afford. You never grow out of that. You get to keep that forever. <laughs> okay. And then all his kids grow up to be adults. Where are they going to go? Everyone's just staying in the houses that already exist, right? No one's building any new ones because no one's buying any new ones. And then he's going to point out later like, oh yeah, I mean, we could like buy houses because the bank, you know, could be funding us, but they choose not to. We'll talk about that. But what a dumb argument. That's like saying like food already exists at the grocery store. Why pay farmers? People did the work. It's done. On average, landlords in the U.S. make 97K a year. In other words, landlording isn't everyone's full-time job. 97K a year is the average income of a landlord if you combine their landlording income with their actual job income. In fact, most of the tax returns show that their W-2 is much larger than their real estate income. People who buy properties aren't buying them for the short term. When I bought my first property, even though it's on Airbnb and I received the income for it, it did very little to my overall lifestyle. In fact, there were a lot of things I had to spend initially in order to get that property fixed up that I didn't really expect. Like the dishwasher went out. Um, we had to replace the garbage disposal. Some issues with the pool occurred. So a lot of what I was bringing in was immediately going back out. And to this day, I'm still negative if you consider the amount of money I've spent versus the amount of money that I've received. So I'm risking quite a bit in order to put these houses out there to do what they do, and he's doing nothing. This is particularly appalling given that there is no state, metropolitan area, or county in the US where a worker earning the federal or prevailing state or local minimum wage can afford a modest two-bedroom rental. And in only 9% of all US counties can a full-time minimum wage worker afford a one-bedroom rental. The amount landlords demand for rent to keep for themselves as they passively earn income is literally so high that even a person working a full-time job can't afford it. That's, that's another tricky argument. So places like where I live in the Bay Area, they have built half the number of available residents in the last decade than any decade before that, despite the fact that we saw record growth over the last decade. Why? Increasing in population that quickly and tons of tech people are coming here with money, doesn't it stand to reason from a business standpoint that we would just build homes and sell them off like hotcakes? There's obviously a high demand for homes here. Like why couldn't we just build apartment complexes all over the place and we could be making, you know, infinite returns on our money? Why doesn't that work? Well, the answer is we end up putting ourselves in a negative cycle. 
as a, as a location, as a city. We restrict the number of things that are being built because we don't want to rezone things for properties. We don't like apartment complexes going in here. We'd rather them go in there. And we try to structure the, the land as best we can and limit the amount of stuff that's being built. Well, that limit artificially causes everything to go up. That's why here in the Bay Area, we have really high demand for properties with people with a lot of money in tech, and we have a really low number of properties, thereby driving property values and rents way through the roof. So because of this artificial restriction of the supply, we see a lot of impact on housing prices and rents just generally. And then people can't come in and build new stuff, even though it might seem like it would be extremely profitable. And we could like balance that out a little bit, reducing, increasing the amount of available supply, thereby reducing the value and the rent costs of properties. It doesn't happen. Nobody in government is changing the availability of homes. So we end up with this spiral of increasing values in these metropolitan areas that just keeps on going. And then we have gentlemen like this who are just like, Everyone just keeps their property. You don't have to shift it around. You know, we don't need to build any new stuff. What's the point of all that? Society is that they are facilitating the transmission of housing from the person who built it to the person who will eventually live in it. But even that isn't true. Not only is that almost labor, and that defeats the whole purpose of passive income, landlords make the process worse. If the landlord could buy the house in the first place, it's because it was already on sale somewhere meaning that anyone could buy it themselves. Therefore, then why didn't they, right? See, here's the problem. And this is the why I rented homes when I first started living and I still rent homes today. I do not want to put a giant down payment in a house here. I don't want to live here for an extended period of time. I want a couple of options. I want to be able to move when I'm ready to move without being stuck. And I don't want to take a large chunk of my cash and put it into a property here in the Bay Area. I would much rather invest my cash into other places. Now, when I first started out, I didn't have the cash to purchase a home. So I needed to do something else. I needed to get a house where I could. And okay, so I, as a veteran, I also have access to the VA loan, which gives us 0% down financing with no penalties. We don't even have to pay the mortgage insurance to get a 0% down mortgage. But I couldn't afford the monthly payment with a 0% down. So it's, I have to save money at some point. Where am I expected to live? Do I just stay with my parents until I've saved that amount of money? Is that what he's suggesting? Or someone built an apartment complex and they were like, look, this is $3,000 a month. Do you want it? Hey, I can afford that. And actually that works within my budget and it allows me to save and invest money. I'm going to go with that option. And this gentleman right here is telling me, no, you shouldn't have that option. That shouldn't be allowed to you. Not only should that not be allowed to you, but you shouldn't be allowed to invest in the same things.